All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Pair Review Club. Uh, today, I am joined, as always, by Vicky and Bonnie. And today, Hello. Hi. We... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're still doing it over Zoom. But today, we're also joined by a special guest. Today, we've got Saki. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're all right. How are you guys going? How are you guys going, Vicky and Bonnie? Uh, not too bad, except I'm having headphone issues, but we'll push on. Pretty good today. We've been treated with some good sun in Melbourne, which lifts the mood. So for everyone working from home, um, that kind of helps brighten the day. It's really good to be joined by you, Saki. We haven't like met properly before at Peter Mac. Maybe you could start and tell us a bit about what your research is before you jump into the pod topic. Yeah, for sure. So um, like Vicky and Jack, I'm a PhD student. Um, I'm in the Hogan lab at Peter Mac, and we study the lymphatic development. And um, like Vicky, I use the zebrafish to study exactly this. And um, yeah, my, my interests are in development and how a cell is given its identity to become a certain type of cell, um, just as a brief overview, overview of what I do. But yeah, yeah I'm very excited to be on this podcast and uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me on. That's all right. No, it, it was funny. Um, I, I was trying to organize a student journal club I'm here at Peter Mac. And then, and then, then Saki emailed me and was like, can you make us all do uh, papers that are not related to our topic? And I was like, I think we have a thing for that. And so we, we invited her on. <laughs> well, do <laughs> I have a thing for you? <laughs> and so we brought her on. So very, very keen uh, to, get, to get started. So do you want to introduce us to the paper today? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can. Very exciting. <laughs> Um, so maybe on the topic of pears, I wanted to ask you guys whether you eat your pears with a fork or with your hands or, or absolutely or, with my hands. What about other like uh, toothpick? Yeah, yeah, enlighten me. I don't know if you guys had this growing up. Like, mum would always place a toothpick next to all the fruit that she's cut up and peeled for me and brought to my desk when I was growing up. Yeah, the toothpick definitely. That, that's something my mum would do as well. Probably still does for my sister. <laughs> that's so cute. It's just like the vision of like, you know, your Asian mum bringing the fruit and your friends there and they're like, my mum doesn't do that. And I was like, okay, but mine, mine does. Is that not normal? <laughs> <laughs> now, whenever, whenever I see a pear now, I'm just like, too difficult. I'm just leave it so <laughs> Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I do use my hands now, but um, <laughs> what I was hoping for <laughs> you guys to say was forks because this paper is on exactly forks. <laughs> the title of the paper is <laughs> What the Forks? <laughs> a Longitudinal Quality Improvement Study Tracking Cutlery Numbers in a Public Teaching and Research Hospital Staff Tea Room. So, <laughs> um, and this particular paper was published in the journal of uh medical christmas competition yeah it's a christmas competition which i'm not really too sure of but basically this study wanted to find uh wanted to look at the problem of workplace teaspoon loss and um, so then what the fork how does the fork come into it uh that will come into a little bit later um okay 
I think it was more so for the pun, if I'm being honest with you. No, but... it's disappointing. <laughs> Did you guys know that there's an estimated 0.99 uh, forks that are lost every 100 days? To be honest, I, I had a feeling because our, our team room in, on level 11, like it's, it's barren. <laughs> they they it, it got to a point where they were like we can't have any communal cutlery just before COVID you know before COVID they were like you can't have communal cutlery because it keeps disappearing so our lab managers went out and bought each of us our own private set of cutlery and then now we and have to keep this. that I'm still chasing the... you're still chasing oh, no. still ch- <laughs> you should get it it's actually it was life-changing to have my own set of cutlery at the age of 20. I'm rolling the dice each time I have lunch at work every day. I just don't know what I'm going to be eating. It's so like the vision of cluster 11. Everyone's like eating with their hands because there's no cutlery <laughs> around. <laughs> I think I'm the same as you, Saki. I never got the allocated cutlery that I deserved in my cluster. I just missed out. And then I realized everyone else had like a knife and fork with a sticker that mm. was their specific sticker, so you, no one else would steal it. You have a sticker? No, mine, mine just looks like any other knife found by anybody else in their, in their drawer. <laughs> so how do you know if it's yours? Oh, you just hope it's yours. <laughs> and you just keep it in your own drawer. Like, it's yeah. really not that hard, Bonnie. <laughs> I wouldn't like all my other possessions. <laughs> Put your phone number on it. Yeah. <laughs> if found. <laughs> But or you yeah. could get engraving. Sorry, <laughs> I, I mean I, I, that is an option. I mean, <laughs> I mean, after you guys listen to this paper, you might want to engrave your cutlery. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like it's a really big problem within our cluster, but um, also like in other settings too. I mean, I asked my housemate, and he said, "Yeah, actually, um, now that you say this, like." there's never any forks <laughs> in my kitchen. And um, because of this, it's actually been published in Medical Journal of um, Australia. Wow, that sounds impressive. <laughs> that sounds like a big deal for Australians. Which it has an impact factor of 7.76. Oh, that's <laughs> pretty good. Decent, yeah. Yes, so um, for anyone who doesn't know this, I, I think maybe around 10 is considered a pretty good journal, right? Um, but basically, it's a way to like standardize um, the different journals that are out there. Um, and I think it's calculated by the number of times it's the articles are cited and also cite other articles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but 7.76 is pretty high and um, I think reflects how important this issue is. Mm, um, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> So um, they are not taking the forking at Pierce because <laughs> they actually <laughs> consulted the Human Research Ethics Committee for approval for this study because it is um, done on humans. Oh, yeah, very good. And the chair of the committee actually said, in quote, cutlery and in particular fork disappearance within institutions remain one of the central conundrums of our time. Not restricted to hospitals, this phenomenon has also been seen in public service departments where the disappearance of teaspoons led to comments in national newspapers. I don't know, have you guys heard of this before? Actually, I haven't. When was this paper published? Quite recently? 2017, I believe. Okay. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah I can't say I've heard about it or read about it in, in a newspaper or anything. I feel like I... 2020. Mm. Yeah. Um, Definitely anyway. live it every day. <laughs> yeah. And so they continue to say that this seems an appropriate usage of develop, de departmental resources, given the benefits that it's likely to have on health. <laughs> so <laughs> are you ready for this? Yes. <laughs> All right, hit us. So um, inability to eat meals at lunchtime. So this is us on <laughs> level 11, class of five, <laughs> could lead to afternoon fatigue and decreased work efficiency. Using spoons instead of forks to eat, for example, salad, could lead to damage to teeth. <laughs> Luckily, I don't eat salad. Imagine trying also... to get a piece of lettuce with your spoon, just like trying to stab it. No bueno. <laughs> I mean, like, I, sometimes when I need to, like, make myself a tea or a coffee, um, like, to put the milk in, I'll get a knife. Like, this, like if I couldn't find a spoon, I'd get a knife and I'd stir it. I'd, I'd be stabbing my coffee. <laughs> Oh, I, I think that's fine. Use, I thought you were going to use the knife to, like, get the milk. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> the stirring is completely fine. As long as you wash the knife that you stir your coffee with, I'm perfectly happy with that. I'm super self-conscious when I'm doing it because, like, I'll be making the coffee. I'll be like, oh, there's no spoon. And I'll just pull out this knife. And then I'm, like, looking around, I'm like, are you guys, don't judge me. <laughs> Maybe it's more concerning you're, you've always got a knife handy and you're pulling that out. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got that pocket knife, kid? It's just a butt butter knife, though, isn't it? I don't know yeah. what knife. I think it has dual uses as well because you can also use it to stir your coffee but also to wring the tea bag. Oh, and yeah. Tea as well. Mm. Mm, yeah. That's a tile. Yeah. Anyways, um, so, yeah, if you try to use a spoon instead of a fork, um, you can damage your teeth, apparently, um, and also to increase spillage which would have an economic and possibly workplace health and safety impact, given the possibility of slippage and the need to clean up any spillage. So oh, I thought it meant more like spillage onto your shirt, which is what I do every single day. <laughs> no, <laughs> and the economic impact problem. of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a Vicky problem, inability <laughs> to put food into her mouth. Um, the, the chair of the committee also continued to say other conceivable benefits would be to um, would be to work productivity through increased morale and decreased cor corridor inquisitions about who took the fork. So like they, they want them to like interrogate individuals <laughs> about their fork use and stealing. <laughs> Which is like to me is like a first world problem. <laughs> Um, so that is in like mostly the second part, uh, second page of this paper. Um, they have a huge section about ethics, um, but generally, like towards the end, they um, kind of conclude that um, it's ethical to be conducting this study behind um, without people knowing or deceptive <laughs> conduct. <laughs> Um, because any potential for distress at being deceived can be um, alleviated by dissemination of the outcomes of once the study is completed. Uh, because, of course, if you let the participants know that you're conducting the study, um, that would influence how they change their behaviour. So um, maybe I shall explain what the paper does. So... The hypothesis of their paper is that the loss of forks was of equal or greater concern than for other cutlery items, 
The aim um, was therefore to evaluate the circulation lifespan of forks and to compare it with that of other teaspoons in a hospital multidisciplinary tea room. And so they conducted this study in a tea room that is um, quite small. Like, so if you imagine like four meters by four meter square room, there's a, t- there's a sink, a hot water unit, two microwaves, a refrigerator, a dishwasher, several cupboards, and a seating place for around eight people. Four by four. Four by four. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> seating eight people. Yeah, That's like my college bedroom. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess four by four is 16. Square I guess it's pretty good that it's in a small area, so less places for the cutlery to disappear. Mm. So the utensils are stored on a bench top in three cutlery stands, um, and it's used by nursing, medical, administration, and research staff. Um, and by professional visitors into the area. So they basically, it's very simple, um, the study outline. They started with 18 marked forks and 18 marked teaspoons. And the way they marked this was with a bit of um, red nail polish. They choose some nice nail polish. Looks like OPI, actually. Well, <laughs> if you actually wanted to know what colour it is, <laughs> they specified. In brackets, OPI got the blues for red now liquor. So need to get that catalog number. I might might paint my nails this weekend. <laughs> um, and they counted this twice weekly for seven weeks total. They also needed like a baseline because they sort of assumed that um, unmarked utensils will come in and out of throughout the seven week study, right? So They counted the unmarked knives, forks, and spoons, um, and teaspoons, sorry, uh, both before the study and after the study was completed. Any questions so far? I find that quite cool. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I think think it is. I think it's really cool because I guess they said, so they're they're looking at like, it's like a dynamic there. They're looking for mystery cutlery coming in. Is that like the unmarked stuff? Yes. So um, plastic by the sounds of it, or is it metal cutlery? Metal cutlery. It's all metal cutlery. So I'm guessing like as people bring in cutlery from their home or, you know, return cutlery during the period of this testing, I guess they can account for that. I have definitely taken cutlery home and brought back a random fork and if it was marked, I probably would know whether it was mine or. Worse. I've definitely accidentally taken cutlery home with the all with all intention of bringing it back, but I definitely mm. cannot <laughs> promise. <laughs> the intentions were there, but the fork is in my cupboard at home. <laughs> I do have a guilty confession. When I was in grade twelve, we had a tea room, and there was this spoon that was there and it's not like a dessert spoon or like not the long one or the round one it's a really deep quite big spoon a ladle but it's not a ladle it's still a spoon I'll show you guys later Mm. but honestly it is the best spoon for eating noodles and so noodles yeah, noodles, like drinking soup and having like... Oh, right, okay. You can like fill up a bit and put it in the spoon and then like kind of slurp it. Super good. 
So I brought it home when I was in grade 12. And as Saki, I had the intention of bringing it back. I did. But then, like, I used it and my family used it. And they're like, the spoon's really, really good. Where did you get it? And I was like, oh, I got it from school. And it was just unspoken that I wouldn't bring it back. And I never did. And that was about seven years ago. Do you still have it? I literally use it every single night and like the way that I set the table each night, I put that spoon on my um, place. Placement, yeah. And then a few years ago I was in a op shop and I found a similar spoon and I bought it. Yeah, now we have two and it's the best. So I'm always on the lookout for for a good spoon. I'll share that photo with you guys. But that is my confession. I hope my year 12, (laughs) like teacher's not listening. (laughs) <laughs> sorry oh, i'm always looking to elevate my soup drinking noodle eating experience so <laughs> give me the brand of that spoon i want to buy it. i want to buy one yeah, i have a feeling <laughs> that they're like they only made them in the olden days because you just don't see them anymore and they're like they're quite embroidered so there's like these flower embroidery on it um like anyway, with if thread? i find three i will give them two three of you oh, okay but business proposal we start making the spoons again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should make a mold. We should make a mold of the spoons and then 3D print it or something. Yes. Guys. None of which I know how to do. So if any listeners out there can help us out. Yeah. Can we engrave them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, personalised spoons. Yeah. We, we, can get, we can get Athena. She's, she's good at 3D printing, right? Mm. And then... I also- think you mean engraving and not embroidery on the spoons right <laughs> neck them little <laughs> wait what's in our embroidery <laughs> it's um it's floral is that uh... <laughs> that's fine uh, we just stepped that up we will but we'll design like um like spoon maybe cases maybe we will have spoon... embroidery <laughs> And you can embroider your little, like, your spoon case and, like, you bring it into work every day. I'd be like, I've got my latest. Put some thread through my metal spoons. Um, <laughs> sounds very doable. Let's come back to this later. Sorry. <laughs> Let's go back to the paper. Yes. Okay, perfect. So um, I, I'd love to take any guesses. Like, out of the 18 teaspoons and 18 forks, can you guys give me an estimate to how many went missing or reappeared after this um, seven-week study? Oh, like from my experience, I want to say like all of them disappeared at some point. (laughs) Yeah, Bunny? I think, so there's 18 of each. I'm Mm going to say there was two left, sorry, 16 are gone missing, two remain with nail polish and five mystery cutlery come back from, you know, whoever from home that's going to be my guess so a decrease um and then of the marked ones and then an increase of the unmarked yeah but not back to the same level of eight so overall we're still a shortage of cutlery Mm. Mm -hmm. what about you vicky um oh that's a tough one i reckon I'll, i'll be more optimistic i reckon we still have 12 marked ones left and two unmarked ones Mm, okay, so out of the marked ones, uh, so there were six marked teaspoons left out of 18. Wait, is that what you and, guessed? You? Oh, sorry, they were missing. Six were missing. Oh, that's what I guessed. So 12, yeah, hey. 12 remained and only one marked fork was missing. Oh, 
Yeah. That's pretty good. Only so wait, one went missing and 17 remained. Yes, of the forks. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, man. People that's... are honest from this tea room. Like, yeah. I want to work in this workplace. <laughs> it's like Mad Max here, man. Like, we can't get our hands on a freaking teaspoon. Like, we don't get given teaspoons. So, like, that, that's a luxury in itself. But um, this is at the completion of the seven weeks. So they um, right. I said that they they counted this twice every week. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'll get to that a bit later. But if you wanted to know about the unmarked cutlery, um, so there were um, increases in the unmarked cutlery. At the end of the period, um, there were five teaspoons of the marked cutlery and two forks. So um, this means that there were more unmarked than unmarked cutlery at the end. Mm. Also more mystery cutlery than original mm-hmm. polished cutlery. Mm-hmm. No, so there were more unmarked. Um, so start versus finish. So five. So there were more random. Yeah, and two more forks at the end. Interesting. Were you surprised by that result, Saki, when you were going through this? Absolutely. I thought people, everyone were. <laughs> I thought I thought the worst of people, <laughs> and I thought there were just going to be decreases across the entire board. <laughs> Sometimes, if I have like random cutlery at home, I just bring it in to like kind of get rid of it for the greater good. That's good. <laughs> wow. Like if like because like you know like your forks at home kind of match, well, assuming you bought them. Um, so yeah, like sometimes I do have random forks. I just bring them in and I'll leave them in the tea room. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's very good of you. We should have more people. I mean, what can I say? Do that. One of my friends, who I'm not sure whether she'll listen to this episode, but she's just moved into a new place, uh, probably about six or seven months ago now. Um, and she works at a hospital nearby and she refuses to buy a cutlery set, but instead has been stealing it from her tea room at work. Oh, no, no, no. Not yeah, do. So I won't, won't name names and I won't name the workplace to protect her identity, but I will make her listen to this and feel guilty. I can only imagine those poor ICU staff just wanting to get their tea and coffee after being in the COVID boards and it's all gone. <laughs> can you imagine if your friend Vicky was in this study that Saki's talking about. And it's like this whole workplace, all they do is steal cutlery, but it's just like one mole. Like it's just one person <laughs> who's like trying to create a cutlery set at home, dragging the rest of them down. Maybe we should gift them with um, our 3D printed spoons. Ah, yes. That's our market. She won't pay though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, emphasis on gift. Yeah, yeah she, she could become a brand ambassador, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. You know what would be really interesting? Like, what are the types of mystery cutlery that came back to the workplace? Because, like, for me, I'd be happy to get rid of, like, you know when a fork, it's, like, really thin, like, the metal's thin and kind of shitty and, like, each um, little tooth is not bent. Like, I would I'd get rid of that. But I'm not bringing in, like, you know, like heavy nice metal so yeah. i don't know do they talk about what kind of pipes um, no no they take a photo of the forks that, of the forks that were there to begin with and they look quite similar to the ones we were given uh, mm-hmm. in our cutlery set 
Mm -hmm. They are very, very standard um, mm -hmm. stainless steel. Um, I see uh, all the tablecraft ones. Yeah, but they do kind of allude to the difference. Um, so basically the authors, they wanted to know why were they getting more unmarked cutlery at the completion of the study um, compared to marked cutlery. So they contemplated whether introducing new utensils had an attractive effect on unmarked utensils or whether it would have been better to conduct the study during Easter when resurrection is a recognized and documented what? phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Resurrection, like, obviously. Of the forks? Of, yeah, like, in Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Culturally, but. Wait, guys, if this was done in Christmas, <laughs> that means, is that when Jesus died? No. no. That was born. Funny. So maybe that's why there's a. <laughs> Wait, you went to like a like a, a religious school, didn't you? Yeah, I'm at it. I mean, I'm atheist, so there's there we go. <laughs> but guys, if it's the birth of Jesus, that maybe that's a symbol of the birth of mystery spoons and forks and knives in this workplace. Well, that the cl classically, right? When when the three wise men brought the gifts to Jesus, it was like frankincense, myrrh, and forks. That was the third one, right? Oh, yes, of course. Oh. Uh, that was a joke, Bonnie. I don't know if you like. Bonnie, why did you even consider that? Your face. I can't believe it. <laughs> the gift of cutlery. That, that... I'm not gullible at all. I fell for that too, don't worry. <laughs> uh, they also considered another possibility that the nail polish that was used to mark the cutlery may have succumbed to the abrasive and cleaning of the um, dishwasher. Oh. Uh, but they say they couldn't have, uh, this couldn't have happened as the total number of each utensil type changed over the study period. Yeah, so um, they don't exactly know why, um, but they concluded that um, specific testing of the effects of dishwashing on nail polish markings on cutlery would um, have to be performed um, in order to confirm this or not, which is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, another finding that they had in the paper was that um, they had the greatest reduction in marked utensils in week two of the count. And then this kind of plateaued and recovered a little bit in week three and onwards. Um, and this happened in forks um, and less severely in teaspoons. Um, and yeah, they go into detail about why this may be, but do you guys might, do you guys have any guesses into what might've happened with the utensils disappearing and coming back again? Was it Christmas pudding time or something? Like, were they getting like, like staff treats for Christmas? No, they didn't, they didn't specify, no. I'm not really too sure what time of the year this was conducted. Mm. So are they saying more forks went missing than teaspoons? Yep, in week two, but then it resurrected again. <laughs> That's actually the word they use, resurrect. <laughs> they use that word quite a few times. <laughs> but um, they, they kind of describe this phenomenon um, as... Um, 
the, that, that the utensils may have been victors, victims of kleptomania or individual um, expropriation. So, so sorry, what does kleptomania mean? So kleptomania um, is uh, sort of like an impulse to steal things or oh, like yes. collect items. Uh, they 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 kind of kind of make that connection. Or the forks and spoons may have been used for a morning or afternoon tea celebration in the offices and not returned until cleaned perfectly. And I quote, by an obsessive member of staff. Mm. <laughs> which could also be an explanation. Um, yeah, like maybe there was, that's what I was thinking, maybe it was like cake day on the Tuesday yeah. of week two and then people just forgot but then everyone brought them all back in week seven, five weeks later and it just plateaued again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at the conclusion, um, they kind of sort of state that the study um, was novel because it was the first to have observed this resurrection phenomenon is what they called it (laughs) and overall they um, say that there were an average of 2.2 marked and unmarked um, utensils lost in a period of 100 days which is much greater than the previously reported 0.99 which was the main finding what are you guys, are you guys disturbed or sort of unsurprised by the finding? Well, I mean, like if I, I've been, I've been trying to find an excuse to put resurrection in my literature review. So here's my, here's my first reference for that. <laughs> I think I'm pleasantly surprised. Like I thought more of the cutlery would have gone missing if people are quite, I don't know, like Vicky's friend trying to deck out their own hey. cash. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> I also late. wonder if, like, the fact that the cutlery has this red nail polish on it and if, I wonder if the person who uses that is more scared to steal it because it's marked mm. or if they don't want a marked one at home because maybe you don't want to give that to your guest and they're like, why is it marked? <laughs> So I'm just thinking about the psychology behind the red, um, the red nail polish and that influence on whether people steal it or not. I think it would detract people to steal. Yeah. I think that's a good point because, like, if I saw one with a red dot, I'd be like, something fishy's going on here. Like, this is not a standard fork. Like, you know, you've been <laughs> trapped. Because actually, um, now that I think about that nail polish um, and the cluster five level eleven situation on may the 4th a year ago someone wrote like printed off this sign that said may the forks be with you and then they painted all these forks with purple um purple nail polish like and was like please return these forks but it was so that was and that actually worked for a while and then eventually i did have a purple fork at home and then the purple (laughs) and then all the purple forks like disappeared from like, but it, they lasted a long, long time, mm-hmm. and it was a good, um, good play on the word. I reckon. May the forks be with you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't think I like seeing anything. Like, if I see a fork with something on it that shouldn't be there, I'm immediately going to think it's unclean. Like, no matter like what's on there. So if I saw that, I'd be like, yucky, and just pick a different fork. Well, just wash it and then use it. Yeah, but then then I wash it and the the nail polish won't come off, and then I'd be like, "Mm, no. Oh right, okay. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and then each time you're eating with it, when you take it home with you, like you're just reminded by the fact that oh, this isn't my fork, and Mm. it's sort of taints your um eating experience yeah the guilt the guilt would eat me alive exactly so maybe it looks like blood and <laughs> like i mean like the red on the cutlery like nah you don't want to eat with that or take that home if it's like looks like your blood is on it yeah. <laughs> maybe another adaptation would be different nail polish color and compare the group <laughs> yeah that yeah, different nail polish color um, embroidery, <laughs> or um, what was the other one? Engraving. Engraved. <laughs> could you do one of those, like, um, put invisible ink on it, and then um, when you put the UV, oh, light, shine UV it, on it. You didn't th- throw on the hood and put the UV on it. You can see which fog is what. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, great so idea. Funny. I mean, they they do report a few limitations. Um, so they, as you mentioned before, Jack, they they didn't take into account any celebratory events which could have influenced um, the, the number of utensils being taken. Um, and they also say, while criminal history checks are conducted for all staff during <laughs> pre-employment screening, <laughs> they don't know how sensitive or specific the recruitment process is for detecting tea room kleptomaniacal tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, and they basically give a few recommendations um, because they don't actually know where the missing cutlery goes. They think uh, location-grade Wi-Fi and tracking technology could more specifically map the location of the cutlery. Um, and they also recommend that radio frequency identification chips applied to utensils could also provide conclusive evidence as to whether disappearing utensils are removed from or merely distributed within the facility. Mm. I'm a big proponent of RFID, the radio frequency ID chips. Not so in much Wi-Fi. I, I don't want I don't want Zuckerberg in my cutlery, but RFID is okay. Have you guys ever been to um, Uniqlo and like they you put the clothes oh. in and it scans everything like that? That's all done through the chips. Um, once we brought RFID in back when I was working in Emporium, like it made life so much easier because you have to scan any barcodes everything is just done by well everything was radioactive well radio emitting um after a while but then does do the tags have to be removed yeah yeah so if you actually get one of those tags and you include and you hold up to the light you can see it's got like um you can see the the chip inside of it so if we Mm. if we wanted to cancel off an item we'd have to like cut it and like destroy the chip what does the chip look like it's, it looks like, like, like I don't know what it to, how to describe it. It's like a motherboardy sort of looking. Oh, yeah, like a thing. mini mother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was really cool, though, because, like, you know, if a customer's like, I want this item, we would have, like, these, like, little, like, barcode guns, but instead they mm. would scan for the radio frequencies, and so they'd beep as you get closer to an item. So What? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, like, if we couldn't find it in our stock room, we'd be, like, pointing this gun around, running up and down, <laughs> waiting for the beat like faster and faster until we find it. And then we like reach in the back of a shelf and like pull out like an old pair of jeans that someone wanted. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and then can you recode the chip for a new item to reuse yeah, these yeah. You can, tags? Yeah, you can, re- you can like reassign the IDs and stuff, I'm pretty sure. Um, 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, they should have them on forks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, are they used for anything else apart from Uniqlo? <laughs> Um, I think they want they want to bring it in for our liquid nitrogen cells, actually. Again, so like you know, as you get closer um, to a vial, it beeps closer, so you know, you know where you're going. It must be quite tiny then to be able to fit on a vial. Yeah, well, because I think they're flexible, right? Because they can be put into like clothing tags, so you can just like mm. wrap it around the vial, and like mm. you're good to go. That would be better so than Freezer Pro. Oh god, yeah. Liquid nitrogen is so stressful. Like it's one so freezing, but you're always like, <laughs> you're in it, sure. <laughs> No, when you're down there, you're like, got the goggles on, got the mask on. So you, you put you put goggles on. You're meant yeah. to. I don't know. It. It's like I'm a um, like that. a helmet. It's a, face, it's a face shield thing. Oh, uh, yeah, nah. I still don't do that. I, I sometimes I pull out the weird like um the the yellow glasses thing. Yeah, so yeah I can see same. It. But um, oh, yeah. I haven't used that before. What's that? It, it just helps because you know how the fog comes up and it's like you can't see it. You, you stick it in and it goes past the fog layer so you can see into the uh, into the. Yeah, it's biases. so cool. I only recently discovered it, like since coming to Peter Mac, and it's amazing. It's a lifesaver because I don't trust myself pressing those buttons on those machines because they're like, oh, if it's foggy, press the fill button. Yeah, I was gonna say fill. there's like 500 buttons, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. what happens if it keeps filling? And then like I flood this like the facility with liquid <laughs> nitrogen, and I destroy Peter Mac. It's a genuine fear I always have when I press the button because like I'll press the button, it'll stop. I'll leave liquid nitrogen. I'll get myself. I'll go back upstairs and I'll sit there and I'm like. Something you, I've left something. You know, I'm like, is am I? Are people going to die because of me? So I'll go back downstairs and I'll open up liquid nitrogen again just to make sure everything's okay. There, there was so, oh, there was wow. one time it was filling automatically, not because I pressed the button, um, but because it was meant to do that, and I like freaked out because I was like, like things are freezing and stuff because you know how like the the ice like accumulates in the pipes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I ran down to security and I'm like, like this is dangerous. Like I think I'm someone. I think someone could be seriously in danger. And they're like, you just got to calm down, man. Like everything is fine. I feel like I've never really been scared of liquid nitrogen rooms until coming to Peter Mark. because <laughs> they hook you up with like a activity monitor and an oxygen monitor in case you collapse. It sort of does the opposite. Effect. <laughs> yeah. I feel more unsafe. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. It literally is more stressful because you have to like press the button and like constantly move around so you're like on the ladder and stay upright yet you have to like move your body just so the security doesn't get called and you get in trouble mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah they'll come up to you be like what, what was wrong you're like i just didn't shake my button off and then it gets that little <laughs> thingy flicking around <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah just done a final point on the paper they um give a few more recommendations. Um, so the main one is gifting forks rather than teaspoons for Secret Santa as resurrection based on this study is a real phenomenon for certain utensil types, but more so on forks. Um, and also because forks are intrinsically more useful for eating celebratory cake during <laughs> these times. <laughs> <laughs> It's Which, true, um, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was sort of, I don't know, I, I, when, when I was reading the paper, I was getting, I was, uh, I don't know, I was, I was buying the, their side of the story until I read the last bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a poll up on Twitter. Do you eat your cake with a spoon or a fork? And we'll get, we'll get the answers we need. <laughs> Sometimes I get confused when, like, we're having cake. I'm like, oh, would a fork be more appropriate or a spoon? 
Mm, well, the, it depends on the cake. Yeah, I what's must... your rationale of picking spoon or fork? Mm. Let's start with let's start with Vicky. Well, I probably would go for a fork if it was a sponge cake because you kind of need to like cut through the sponge. Like a spoon might like squish it and like press it down too much when it needs to be still airy. Um, but then if it's a denser cake, for example, like a cheesecake, then fork or spoon, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't actually change the density of the cake when you put it into your mouth. Not that I often think about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it what, what if you have like a, a strawberry or a pear on a cheesecake? Mm. Uh, well, you'd use the edge of your cutlery or utensil, whatever it is. No, you wait for your mum to bring you toothpicks. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's true. <laughs> I think if there was fruit, it would be easier to use a fork so you could pick off the fruit if you want and then enjoy the rest of your cake with the. Totally. Mm. Yeah, and I then think you've got like must... a biscuit as well, it might be easier to use a fork. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm less anxious when they give me a spork. Like a disposable spork. When I eat They're so crap. They're like little like bits on the fork are like <laughs> one millimeter. Like no, it doesn't work. Yeah, but like you know, if you have like a like a like a square of a pear. Like it's gonna get that pear. That's all you mm-hmm. need. This this is true. It would be a good negative control in the study because no one would reach for it. <laughs> <laughs> a, a metal spork. Do they even make those? <laughs> they do. I, 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 I have a spork for camping, but that's because I don't want to carry two pieces. I think there's one, there's like a single metal spork in my parents' place. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Do you guys remember the, um, like a spife, spoon and knife? Or How does that work? No- oh, on the edge of the... Like the one you'd use... I used to use it for my kiwi fruit at school. Yeah, oh yeah. Yes, oh gosh. And you'd like cut in half and you just turn around, you just eat your kiwi fruit. That is the MVP cutlery. Mm-hmm. No that problem. is a good piece. I wouldn't be able to eat like a, a, a cake with it though. It's not, maybe to like, oh, the only other application I can think of because you said it's kiwi fruit. Mm. Yeah, I, it, it's good for its one job. I'm like, it, it's, it's definitely marketable on that. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, maybe not as applicable to all things, but very good at one specific job. Mm. Mm. Well, that, that was a fun paper, Saki. I really enjoyed it. I found the dynamics of, of, of fork and teaspoon uh, movement. <laughs> across it. Can you tell us about how you stumbled across it or did you like specifically look for it? How'd you come across this goodie? This one was um, brought up in a conversation that I had with our zebrafish facility manager. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know how we got on the topic but he just mentioned that um, no one really knows what happens to those forks that go missing. Um, But yeah I I never had actually taken it past that conversation until um, this podcast kind of Today. prompted that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad I did, to be honest. <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures now of the cutlery. They've got some good looking cutlery at that hospital. I know, I was going to say, and the cutlery holders are nice, <laughs> like bamboo. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I, I think like a good cutlery has like, it's got like balance, right? And like, I feel like the they're, they're, they're bottom. The heavy. weight is really important. Mm. Yes. Mm. That's how you know it. So you know you've got good cutlery. 
Mm-hmm. You know how I made that comment about the red looking like blood? I just zoomed in on the fork and spoon at the front with the nail polish. Like it's a little square. I've changed my mind. I think it looks really classy. <laughs> I guess it's a good design. It looks, yeah, it looks like I, a little jewel. Like a rather little than rather than the drop of blood. Rather than blood. So I think now looking at that, I wouldn't be ashamed to steal that because I think it's quite nice design. Oh, yeah, it's actually a really good quality image. Yeah, like it's a perfect little yeah. square at the end. Mm, love it. <laughs> so good awesome yeah i don't know I, I feel like i'd still be reminded of the fact that it doesn't belong to me <laughs> at least now i'm gonna look out for any cutlery that i use at work and whether it's marked or chipped with yeah. 5g true yeah all right should we wrap it up yes yeah that was super fun thanks for that saki i really enjoyed it yeah do you have anything to plug, Saki, while you're here? Do you have like a Twitter or LinkedIn handle? Do you have any? Um, uh, yes, on? I do have a Twitter, um, which I believe is Kobayashi dot, no, Kobayashi 1S. Kobayashi. And yes. So your name? Yes, my surname 1 and S for my initial. Awesome. And yeah, um, I'm on LinkedIn uh kind of <laughs> i only just made it like a few months ago um, all right. but yeah you can find me there as well awesome cool we'll put them we'll put those in the uh the description for awesome. below yeah Fantastic. um otherwise yeah if you want to find us we are at pair review club on instagram and on twitter we've also got an email which we'll leave in the description below also, if you haven't checked it out already, we're going to be at the EMBL graduate, a postgraduate student symposium. So we're very keen to present first prize for the SciCon presenter there and have them on for our show. That could be you, hopefully. So we're very keen. Otherwise, we'll catch you next episode for something a bit different and maybe something a bit new. So um, have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I will catch you all Have later. Have a good Thanks. life. <laughs> we're not we're not we're not leaving you. We'll we'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> all right, see everybody. Bye-bye. All right, see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.